Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Anatomy and Physiology On The Go podcast, the podcast intended to provide you with brief, important big picture ideas and concepts in the realm of human anatomy and physiology. I am your host, Gilda Harris, and I'm a professor at St. Philip's College in San Antonio, Texas. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you're made aware of all the newest content that I create. Without further ado, let's get on to the next episode. Today's episode of the Anatomy and in physiology on the go podcast will introduce our first organ system up for discussion the integumentary system the word integumentum is a latin word meaning covering the two major parts of the integumentary system are the cutaneous membrane also known as the skin and also the accessory structures The integumentary system is the largest organ system in your body and composes about 16% of your body weight. The integumentary system has multiple functions vital to sustaining life. It protects the underlying tissues and organs. It functions in excreting salts, water, and organic waste through sweat. And it helps maintain our body temperature. It also makes melanin, and keratin. It also makes vitamin D3. It stores lipids. It detects our touch, pressure, pain. And it also helps coordinate the immune response. Well, let's start our discussion of the integumentary system by detailing the cutaneous membrane, also known as the skin. The skin is composed of two major layers. The outer epidermis, which is superficial, meaning closest to the surface, and then the deeper inner dermis, which contains the connective tissue. There is a layer below the dermis called the hypodermis, also known as the subcutaneous layer, but it is not formally included as part of the cutaneous membrane. That is because it contains different types of cells from the epidermis and dermis. The hypodermis is a fat storage system and has a network of blood, vessels, and nerves that supply the epidermis and dermis. This fat storage helps insulate our body and keeps us warm. If you ever had a subcutaneous injection such as insulin, the medication is injected into fat between the skin and the muscle. Medications are administered this way when they cannot be absorbed in the GI tract. Subcutaneous injections are slower than intramuscular injections and intravenous injections because there are less blood supply in this layer than in muscle. That's enough about hypodermis. To keep it simple, the cutaneous membrane is the skin and has an outer epidermis layer and an inner dermis layer. Okay, let's dive deeper. The epidermis is the outer layer of the skin, the part that you can see. This layer protects the dermis, prevents water loss from your body, and keeps pathogens out. The epidermis also makes vitamin D3 and contains sensory receptors to detect any sensations such as touch, pressure, pain, and temperature. The epidermis is stratified squamous epithelium and is avascular, meaning it has no blood. The epidermis receives nutrients and oxygen through diffusion 
from capillaries of the dermis. The epidermis is made up of layers called keratinocytes. Most of our body has four layers of keratinocytes, and this is called thin skin. The skin on the palms of your hand and the soles of your feet are called thick skin because they have five layers of keratinocytes. And since this is anatomy and physiology, each layer has a name. The lowest level of the epidermis is the basement membrane. The basement membrane separates the epidermis from the underlying dermis. The layer of keratinocytes directly on top of the basement membrane is known as the stratum basale. This layer is on the basement membrane and is called basale. Kind of makes sense. The next layer outward is called stratum spinosum. These cells look spiny under the microscope, so the spinosum is known as the spiny layer. The next layer outward is called the stratum granulosum. The next layer is only found in thick skin and that layer differentiates the thin from thick. It's called stratum lucidum. Thin skin does not have stratum lucidum layer. The outermost layer of the epidermis is called stratum corneum. This layer is water resistant to keep the appropriate amount of water inside our body. An acronym that some people use to remember these layers from outside to inward is quote unquote come let's get sunburnt corneum lucidum granulosum spinosum basale you just have to remember to remove lucidum if you're talking about thin skin each layer has their own specific function to keep it brief i'll just discuss the basale and the spinosum layers the basale layer has stem cells that replace lost keratinocytes. Humans shed their entire outer layer of the skin every two to four weeks, so these stem cells are very important to keep us covered. The stratum basale also contains melanocytes, which contain the pigment melanin. The more melanin your melanocytes produce, the darker your skin color. The spinosum layer contains Langerhans cells, which are immune cells that monitor the microenvironment of the skin to determine if there is a foreign entity present that needs to be attacked. So that's the epidermis. In the next episode, we will discuss the dermis and the accessory structures. But before finishing this episode, I want to spend a little more time discussing skin color. Melanin production is the primary determination of skin color but you may notice that your skin can change shades at times. Your skin may redden with activity, turn paler when you're about to faint, turn blue if you're choking. This is due to blood flow near your skin. Hemoglobin is the transport molecule for oxygen in our body. When oxygen is bound to hemoglobin, it is bright red in color. When you exercise, your blood vessels dilate to bring more blood superficially to allow it to be cooled by sweat and outside air. As these blood vessels dilate, they bring more bright red hemoglobin closer to the surface so that your skin will redden with activity. The opposite is true when blood flow to your skin decreases. Your skin turns paler 
as there is less bright red hemoglobin. If you stand up too quickly, your heart can't compensate in time, so less blood flow goes to your face and your brain, causing you to look pale and feel lightheaded. But why does someone turn blue, or also known as cyanotic, when choking? Hemoglobin that does not have oxygen is no longer bright red, but instead a dark red. As someone is choking or freezing or has heart failure, they cannot oxygenate the hemoglobin, so their skin will look blue in appearance from the darkened hemoglobin. But that's not it for skin color. You may be familiar with reddening skin, skin developing a pale appearance, or a skin turning blue, but did you know that a skin can turn yellow with some diseases or people can, can lose their skin color completely due to the inheritance or disease? Jaundice is the medical term used for someone with yellowing of their skin. The liver is the primary filtration system of your body. One of your liver's function is to clear bilirubin from our bodies. Bilirubin is a yellow-orange pigment formed by the breakdown of hemoglobin. If your liver cannot remove the bilirubin, then it dissolves into the subcutaneous fat, causing the skin to appear yellow. If you see someone with yellowing skin, you should worry about their liver. Some people are born without melanin at all. They suffer from a condition called albinism. Melanin is protective against UV light from the sun. People with albinism are more prone to developing skin cancer due to their lack of protective melanin. Some people may lose their skin color as they age due to a disease called vitiligo. Vitiligo is a chronic autoimmune disorder where melanocytes are attacked and destroyed, resulting in patchy loss of skin color. That concludes part one of the integumentary system. Next time we will focus on the dermis and the accessory structures. As always, please like, subscribe, comment, and share these episodes so that they continue being produced.